Hey, what is up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another positional review episode from the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and today we're talking outfield. All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. Like I just said, I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and I can't wait to get back into talking about the New York Mets. So, once again, it is time for another positional review episode. Last week, we dove into the infield. We took a look at how uh, Fangraphs projects the starters are going to do in the upcoming 2023 season. We looked at some of the bench pieces, how they're projected to do. And then we looked at some guys who, you know, they're right now not really slotted as a starter or a, a bench guy, but, you know, more depth and, and some guys who have the potential to make the team maybe are just going to start in AAA, but, you know, just general depth guys, and then just looked at the positional group, the infield group as a whole, and what I want to do this week is the exact same thing, but diving into the outfield. You know, it's going to be a little bit shorter than the infield episode, just because, you know, less positions to go over, but, you know, I'm really excited, uh, The the just like the infield pretty much the same guys as last season, but, you know, some interesting guys to look at, especially in the depth category. So, you know, let's let's stop with the intro. Let's jump right into the outfielders and let's start with the starters, as you would do. Um, again, like I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, I'm using the Fangraphs projections as I did last week with the infielders. As I explained last week, I, I just really like Fangraph's projections. The way they're ordering the roster is very easy to navigate. And additionally, their projections um, are more on the conservative side. And I think that's, you know, kind of the approach you want to go into a season. You know, kind of expect less and appreciate better results. So, you know, starting with the premier center fielder for the Mets, you have Brandon Nimmo. He is projected by Fangraphs to have a 269, 368, 422 slash for a 790 OPS with 15 home runs. Now, again, that's a little conservative. We know Brandon Nimmo obviously is a high on base guy, a 368 on base, but, you know, 269 average, that is, you know, that's generally on the, the, the lower side for Nimmo. You know, I picture him more as a 280, you know, potentially 290 hitters so you know being about 270 that's all right but I think it's a little low and as I'm gonna get into later you know when looking at this group overall you know with Nemo last year he honestly had a bit of a down year so you know I think that these projections probably are taking that into account but you know I'm excited to see him back out on the field for the Mets last year he just exploded in my opinion defensively he he really showed you know obviously there were you know the highlight real catch uh against the Dodgers is one thing, but, you know, he was very consistent. I felt like he was efficient getting to the ball, something that he was not really that great at in, you know, years past, especially, you know, during the 2020 season when he started transitioning into that center fielder role. He's definitely been a huge revelation for the Mets in the outfield because, you know, if he if he hadn't been able to transition successfully into that center field role, you'd really be relying on Starling Marte, a guy who has played a lot of center field in his his career to be that center fielder except for the fact that Marte is 34 years old and has lower leg issues and that just simply wouldn't be a, a smart feasible 
way for the Mets to structure their outfield. And, you know, I went into last season when going through, through these reviews thinking that Brandon Nimmo probably was going to be the left fielder for the Mets and Marte was going to be the center fielder. But after going through 2022, seeing how it all shook out, it clearly made so much sense for the Mets to keep Nimmo in center field and Marte in right. And, you know, Nimmo had such a good season last year, even with, as I mentioned, the, the down year offensively, relatively down year offensively. He had such a great year that it resulted in an eight-year, $162 million contract for the Mets, which, I mean, I think you know, is an underrated move of the of the offseason because if the Mets didn't get Brandon Nimmo and I, I there wasn't really anything in the cards for them to go get Aaron Judge, there were it was a, a steep drop off in terms of outfield talent for the Mets on the free agent uh, market. So, you know, very excited to have Brandon Nimmo back. Turning to right field, I'm, I know I'm kind of going all over the place with this outfield, but I'm just kind of hitting it uh, as they appear in the projected lineup, which is obviously, as it was last season, uh, Brandon Nimmo won Starling Marte too. But moving to right field, Starling Marte, Fangraphs projects him to have a 266, 326, 417 slash season for a 743 OPS, also 15 home runs, uh, same as Brandon Nimmo. You know, I think the biggest thing with Starling Marte is, you know, consistency and staying on the field. And and that's really the biggest thing for, for all of these outfielders is health. And, you know, going off of that, as as the Mets saw last season, as we all witnessed, losing Starling Marte and not having his bat in the lineup was monumental. I think it, frankly, cost the Mets the division. Um, you know, don't know how it would have actually shook out in the playoffs. Obviously, he was there, but, you know, playing through an injury and playing through multiple injuries because he, he got off-season surgery on both of his groins. So, you know, just... Uh, clearly he was very banged up and you know we knew that going into the the year last year that he was a guy who who had a history of lower leg injuries he's a speedy player and usually those guys as they get older their legs don't age uh in the way that you'd like them to um but i mean that month of september where the mets had you know arguably the easiest stretch they had the entire season i i don't even know if you could say arguably it was quite literally the easiest stretch in terms of their opponents and their level of play and with Marte getting knocked out early in that little period in that in that month it really damaged the Mets offense and I think it allowed the the Braves to come back and, and get them so you know obviously keeping Marte on the field is huge again Fangraphs projections I think are a little low especially in terms of average and on base I mean a 266 and a 366 or 326 respectively. Um, the one thing I do generally agree with in all of these projections is the power numbers. I think that 15 home runs for Brandon Nimmo sounds about right. Although I do think he could, you know, show some more pop with the the right field fences moving in a little bit. Brent, uh, Starling Marte actually surprised me last year. He had 16 home runs, I believe. He Yes, 16 home runs last year, so 15 around there. You know, that's in the right ballpark, in my opinion. Um, I think that Marte showed a lot more power than I was, frankly, expecting. So that was a, a nice uh, piece right there. Similar to uh, the infield with all of these guys, it'd be nice to see some more power from, from the outfield. I mean, it just would be nice to see more power from the team as a whole but you know Marte especially Marte staying on the field is huge for this team and defensively as well having his arm out there in right field 
is a must, especially with Nemo and Kana boasting some weaker arms. And that takes me then to the final starter in the outfield of Mark Kana. Mets bringing back the same outfield for 2023. Mark Kana is projected by Fangraphs to have a 242, 352, 389 season for a 741 OPS with 15 homers. Last year he had 13. Um, you know, I love Mark Kana. You know, he's got a great personality, he's a team player. Um, but the biggest thing that he brings to the team is his on-base percentage and his ability to give you a strong at-bat. I felt like every time Mark Hanna was at the plate, especially with two strikes, he knew how to shorten up. He knew how to work counts. He knew how to push the, the pitcher to throw way more pitches than you, know, you would expect, especially in a two-strike count. And I think that where Fangraphs has him projected as, a, as the number seven hitter, that's huge to extend at bats down there at the bottom of the order to push the pitcher. You know, normally that bottom third of the order is generally easier for a pitcher to get through. And to have a guy like Marcana after, you know, the likes of Nimmo and Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Vogelback, you know, behind all of those guys and then have Marcana who's an on-base machine whether it's getting a hit by a pitch or drawing a walk but at the very least making the pitcher work that's huge and and he is a guy that I'm very excited to have in left field I know that there were you know talks of you know putting him and transitioning him to a bench role and you know maybe as the season progresses that happens because you know, he doesn't hit for a super high average, and, and he didn't bring a ton of power to the team. 15 home or 13 home runs last year um, was solid, but I honestly expected a little more power from him. You know, I think the uh, he expects more power from himself as well. He, he mentioned in the offseason that he was dealing with some gastritis last season, which meant that he was unable to keep on weight. He says his goal is to hit 10 more home runs this upcoming 2023 season. So that's really exciting to hear from him. And, you know, I, I think that Mark Hanna is a guy who's going to be a really good player for this team. He was a really good player last year, but I feel like he, almost like similar to Escobar, you know, had had little moments of, of showing what he really can bring to the table. Um, I think Mark Hanna you know, far and away had a much better season overall than Eduardo Escobar, but I almost felt like there was, you know, even a little bit more missing from his game that, you know, we just didn't get. And, you know, like I said, he came through and came out and said, you know, I wasn't feeling the best last season, you know, dealing with an off-field issue, which Eduardo Escobar also came out and said he was dealing with as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for both of those guys. And I think in terms of outfield, looking at it from an outfield perspective, Mark Hanna is a guy who who's really just he does a really great job doing his job in the position he's at in you know bottom order bottom of the order in left field and so I'm really excited overall for these three guys Brendan Nimmo, Starling Marte, and Mark Canna. Now turning to the bench outfield wise there's only one guy on the bench from the outfield at least for now you know we don't know exactly what the opening day roster is going to be like but right now the only guy projected to be on the bench from the outfield is Tommy Pham. He's projected by Fangraphs to have a 226, 315, 359 season for a 674 OPS and have 9 homers and 7 stolen bases. 
Honestly, you know, as spring training is going along, he has had a tough start to the spring. Um, so far in spring training, he just has one hit in 18 plate appearances, 16 at-bats, um, which isn't great. Um, and I know that, you know, I talked about him a couple episodes ago in more depth. So if you want to hear more of my analysis of him and his signing, uh, go check out that episode, the, the off-season review. You know, he's a guy that I, I'm not expecting a ton from he's a guy who's had a couple of down seasons the past few years and last year definitely wasn't a great year from him he did hit 17 home runs which is definitely something that hey if you can have a power threat on the bench that's good to have and he does bring the potential of speed he stole 21 bases uh, a few years ago in 2019 or actually scratched that 25 bases in 2019 and 14 in 2021 so he you know he's got that potential to bring a little bit of speed as well and maybe the new base running rules and pickoff rules and all of that could uh, serve to his benefit but you know uh, I think he's a guy that, honestly, a, a 674 OPS would not surprise me. He strikes me as someone who's going to be a, a decent to solid bat. You know, probably not anything special, but a veteran who can provide that experience and understanding of the game in a way that is a little more rounded than just bringing in and throwing a rookie into the mix. So, you know, I, I, I as I discussed in the episode where I talked more about Tommy Pham, I'm you know, a little skeptical of how this is going to work out with him. But, you know, as a bench piece, I, I don't think you can really complain. He's a guy who can play solid defense and give you, you know, at least a somewhat decent year of uh, hitting. So we'll see what happens, obviously. But moving on from the outfield bench, we have the potential additions to the the outfield. And, and this is really just outfield depth. First guy guy I already talked about last week is actually Eduardo Escobar. He's been working out in left field during spring training, and, you know, I think this is a realistic possibility, depending on the success of Brett Beatty in spring training and early in the year in the minors, if that's where Beatty begins the year. I think that this could be a spot that we see Escobar if need be. I think it could be a spot where we see Escobar maybe if Mark Hanna needs a day off, you can plug Luis Guillorme in that spot. You know, I think that Escobar is a guy who has more potential at the plate than he does in the field. So if he can give you those reps in left field and, you know, you want to just fill that third base spot in a different way, that is... That's great. So I'm glad that Escobar is, you know, just working out. That just adds even more versatility. I don't think this is something that we're going to see a lot, but I do think it's not, you know, out of the question, especially since he has been working out in left field during spring training. Um, another guy is Danny Mendick, who I spoke about last week. Again, he's just a very versatile player who can also give you outfield reps. I also want to mention Jeff McNeil, a guy who you know has historically been able to play all over the place. So he's a guy who can, who can give you some outfield reps. And Brett Beatty, who, depending, again, if he comes up, maybe the Mets just want to keep Escobar where he is. I know Beatty, you know, has had some some difficulties here and there with his defense at third base. So maybe the Mets feel more comfortable keeping a veteran like Escobar there and putting uh, Beatty in the outfield. So, you know, those are all guys who have the potential. But there's one last guy that I think 
Maybe last week when I went through the infield, you might have been screaming at your phone or your computer or wherever you listen, saying, what the heck, you're forgetting Ronnie Mauricio. And I didn't mention Ronnie Mauricio during the infield um, preview, and that might seem a little strange because technically he is a shortstop and and one of the Mets' top prospects. But... You know, the reason I didn't bring him up is because I frankly don't see him as a realistic call-up option for the infield unless, you know, a, a bout of injuries really, really requires it. Currently, he's blocked by Lindor at the shortstop position, and, you know, Mauricio spoke saying, yes, I know that, you know, shortstop probably isn't my root in this organization, but... You know, I'd like to play third base if it's not shortstop. He's also blocked currently by Escobar and Brett Beatty at third base. And again, I think Beatty is the more well-rounded player. Um, as much as he has some issues defensively, Beatty, he's a, a more major league ready bat. So, you know, it's likely that unless, you know, the Mets maybe shift Beatty to the outfield and Mauricio to third base, um, I think Mauricio is a guy who you could see playing some some outfield or getting some outfield reps or or at least being some outfield depth as the season moves along. Uh, you know, on top of the fact that there are some guys blocking him, he also has some concerns. You know, his scouting report in the minor really emphasized his his lack of plate discipline overall. He's had over 112 strikeouts in his past two years in the minors compared to less than 30 walks both years. And in both of those, uh, both of the past two seasons, he's had less than a 300 on base percentage, which, you know, isn't ideal. But that said, you know, those are sort of the reasons why I didn't mention him as a potential, you know, depth piece or or top of the top of the line depth piece because you know I thought that overall Mauricio just needed more work and didn't have an easy route to the majors but all of that said he has been absolutely tearing it up this winter and spring this entire offseason over the winter he won the Lidom or Lidom I'm not a hundred percent how to uh, pronounce it L-I-D-O-M, but the Dominican Winter League, he won MVP of the Dominican Winter League. In the 46 games that he played, he led the league in hits, doubles, and runs batted in. He also hit five homers, scored 26 runs, and stole 11 bases. So he's absolutely having a great winter. He's also bulked up a bunch, and that's turning heads in spring training as well. In the nine games he's played in so far, he's had 14 plate appearances, 13 at-bats, because he did draw one walk in his 14 plate appearances. Hey, maybe some improvement with that plate discipline. But also in those 14 plate appearances, he's had five hits, three, four runs, three home runs, one double, and five runs batted in. So I think, you know, if he continues this hot streak, if he continues to show that, you know, his bat is just too good to keep in the minors, I think realistically he has a good chance to be depth, whether it be infield or outfield. I'm not sure. It probably, again, depends on what's going on at the major league level, where needs are, and and what the Mets actually are looking for at that at that point in time but you know I think realistically Mauricio has a chance to be an outfield depth piece you know especially due to the fact that there's a lot of guys in front of him on the infield so you know I hope he continues this upwards trajectory but you know just want to say I didn't forget about Mauricio and you know I guess he could fall into the infield or outfield episodes but I think with the the reasons I just explained are the reasons why I didn't include him last week but 
wanted to get him in here now. So overall, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, my biggest thing about this outfield is health. I think this is a really, really good outfield. It was a really, really good outfield for the Mets last year, and I think it has the potential to be even better. Like I mentioned, Brandon Nimmo, you know, didn't even have his his best season offensively. Last season, he had his lowest on-base percentage since his rookie season in 2016 when he played just 32 games. It was also his third lo lowest season in terms of OPS, though it was an 800 OPS, so it's far from a bad, uh, bad mark, but, you know, definitely Definitely a down year, but the good side for Brandon Nimmo especially was that he had, uh, he played in 151 games when he's never played in more than 140 games in a, in a season before that. So hopefully that is a step in the right direction in terms of health. Um, I mentioned Marte getting hurt, you know, if he can, you know, hopefully stay healthy. He had those offseason surgeries on both of his groins which has made him questionable for opening day, but he believes he'll be ready to go. Both him and Nimmo haven't actually played in spring training yet, but for two different reasons, Marte coming off the injury, and Nimmo, he's just taking it slow in spring training so that he can enter the season healthy. So I, I actually like that approach of, you know, taking it easy, not pushing yourself too hard, hard before the season, resulting potentially resulting in an injury before you even get on the field and then I mentioned with Marcana he's a guy who I think showed you know really good stuff last season but has the potential for more especially in terms of power and like I said you know he mentioned why he's he felt his power numbers were down so you know overall like the infield group I think power is something that I'm really hoping for more of from this team I mentioned for Nimmo that you know that right field wall moving in could help him so you know there's an avenue there um but again the biggest biggest thing for this outfield is health you know I know Canna last year he did play in 140 games and and Nimmo 151 but as I talked about before Marte you know being off the field was definitely something that crushed the Mets and and Nimmo does unfortunately have a history of of being off the field so you know I think health is the biggest thing after looking at these guys but in the end I, I really do like this outfield I, I'm confident and excited about them just like the infield um you know, it's it's unpredictable how health and that thing and and that sort of stuff will go, and it's unpredictable how you know maybe Mark Canna bounces back from a season he felt like he could have hit more home runs, or or how a wall the wall moving in could help Brandon Nimmo. But I think that this was already a really really good outfield for the Mets, and a hundred and one win Mets team, and I think they have the potential to be even better. So you know. I'm just very excited to see this outfield out there, you know, even especially with, you know, the the potential of maybe some rookies making some appearances in the outfield as well. And and just like as I ended the the infield episode, I'm very excited to watch this team continue to work through spring training and I'm excited to dive into next week the starting pitching rotation. So that is going to be it for this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'd love to hear all of your thoughts and opinions about the Mets. You can reach me at my Twitter, at PodMets, or at my brand new Instagram, at Mets Talk Podcast. So head on over to either of those pages to leave a comment with your thoughts about anything and everything Mets. Thank you so much for listening again, and let's go Mets.